Welcome to The Bunker Daily. I'm Jacob Jarvis. You know what? I fucking love to swear. And I'm not alone. In a survey conducted for the British Board of Film Classification last year, six in ten people said strong language was part of their daily lives, and a third of those asked said they swore a shitload more than they did five years ago. But why do we enjoy it so much? Here to discuss what the fuck is going on is Richard Stevens, a senior lecturer in psychology at Keele University and author of Black Sheep, The Hidden Benefits of Being Bad. Welcome to the bunker, Richard. Hi, Jacob. Thanks for having me. Richard, when did you start to think about the benefits of swearing? Good question. I don't know. It's, it's kind of a fascinating thing. I think, I think all of us from kids are fascinated by swearing. It's, it's sort of like this strange conduit into the adult world. They mm. can do it. We can't. We get told off if we do it. it there's something kind of mystical about it, I think, <laughs> from an early age. I started researching it professionally. You know, I'm lucky enough to be a psychologist, to work in a university. I, I can kind of exercise my curiosity. It, it, you know, it's a really great perk of the job. And I just, I wondered why people swore in pain because I noticed I did it myself when I hurt myself doing DIY. Hmm. And I noticed my wife did it, did quite a good job of it while <laughs> our daughter was being born. 18 years ago was, uh, was when the, the, the penny really kind of dropped and I started to look into it in more detail. So you sort of, I'm guessing you assumed there was some sort of correlation between swearing and pain. How did you look into what was going on there? How do you start to research that specifically? Yeah, they seem to go together. And so I just started chatting it about, you know, chatting about it to people. There was a guy from the university who I knew and he said, oh, maybe it's catastrophizing. And mm. catastrophizing is a kind of behavior we do in pain which actually makes the situation worse. It kind of amplifies a bad situation. Okay. And uh, so, you know, at the start of this process, I was open and thought, well, maybe swearing is, is a bad thing to do in pain and mm. it's catastrophizing and it makes the pain worse. Although I had my doubts because when I'm in pain, I want the pain to stop as soon as possible. So it seemed to me unlikely I'd be swearing to kind of, to kind of make it worse. So we had to think of a way to kind of pin it all down, really, which is what you do in research. And me and my students at Keele over, you know, a number of years, a number of cycles each year as students do a dissertation. And we had students doing dissertations into this and we kind of refined it over a period of a few years. Hmm. But we basically had to find a way of having people encounter pain in a safe way. Okay. And we came up, well, we, we used a technique already in existence where people put their hands in ice cold water. This is painful, but not harmful. Okay. And then it was very simple. We had people repeat a swear word of their choice while their hand was in the water and see how long they can keep the hand in before they have to take it out. So we have a behavioral measure of pain tolerance. And then for a control condition, you obviously have to try to manipulate just the thing of interest. We had people repeating a neutral word while holding their hand in ice cold water. And across numerous studies now, most people will hold their hands in the water longer while repeating a swear word. And does that have to be, you know, if that's a particularly bad swear word, is that is that better? Does, does the type of swear word that you use matter? Theoretically, yeah. So we know that swearing has an effect. And there are a couple of ways that that effect might kind of be driven. Hmm. One is to do with kind of emotional arousal due to the swearing. And, and when we're aroused, Emotionally, it's like it's setting off our fight or flight response, okay. which is like adrenaline and actually could be setting off a natural pain relief phenomenon called stress-induced analgesia. And the theory would be the more the stress, the more the pain relief. So a stronger swear word 
should have that effect. Could you explain that a little more, the stress-induced analgesia? What exactly is that? Yeah, sure. So most people have heard of the fight or flight response, the idea that uh, in moments of extreme danger, your kind of body primes itself for action. Mm. You have a faster heart rate, uh, you have adrenaline in your bloodstream, you have more blood sugar available. So you're already you're primed to use your body as effectively as possible to, to okay. fight whatever it is or to run away uh, successfully. Well, a, a lesser known aspect of fight or flight is called stress-induced analgesia. And part of fight or flight is you become less aware of pain, which obviously enables you to be more efficient in those moments. So you mentioned efficiency there. There's another thing that I was interested in, is that swearing can make us stronger. Could you explain that and how that works with physical exertion? Yeah, so that was like our follow-on study. Uh, we, we, we published a couple of studies on swearing and pain, and, and kind of if swearing is having its pain effect through fight or flight and adrenaline, well, it should make you strong because everyone knows, you know, all these kind of stories about people in, in the heat of a moment picking up mm. a car because it's on top of somebody because they've got this kind of extra strength. Although actually there's very little in the research literature that kind of backs up that this is possible. These are all kind of anecdotes from people's experience, which, mm. which I think is quite interesting. But uh, yeah, so we ran some swearing and strength studies. In one study, uh, we had people on an exercise bike mm. and they did a, a task called the Wingate task, which was where for 60 seconds, they, they have to pedal against enormous resistance. It's really difficult. People vomit and stuff during it. It's such a hard it's such a hard task. People repeating a swear word were able to produce more power on that task. You know, okay. you can measure the extra power. And we also had a kind of a hand grip thing, hand grip dynamometer. You, uh, you grip this device and a little needle shows you how much force you're generating. People grip that with more force, repeating a swear word rather than a neutral word. So swearing does appear to make you stronger. So when I'm in the gym, just yelling fuck at the top of my lungs, I can say, I can blame that on you, Richard. I'm going to say I've got that bit of information from an esteemed psychologist who told me I'm allowed to do that in the middle of the gym. It's context dependent though, isn't it? You know, maybe if you're the only one in the gym, that's fine. Maybe yeah. other people in the gym, it might, you know, it might cause other, other unforeseen problems. But yeah. Absolutely. And keeping on the physical aspect, are there other ways that swearing benefits us physically? And what are those? Let me tell you a little bit about how the swearing and strength things work, because while we ran that study because of this link between fight or flight and, and kind of a, a arousal and adrenaline, mm. when we ran the study, while we showed the psychological benefit of swearing, there was no sign of fight or flight. There was no sign of changes in heart rate or uh, or skin conductance, which is how much sweat you have on your skin, which mm. is, shows us uh, kind of underlying arousal. So we had a kind of an effect, but not for the reason we thought. So more, more recently, we've been looking towards um, state disinhibition as an explanation. And it's just by swearing, you just kind of go for it a little bit more. Okay. And while it's still a little bit early days, we haven't completely pinned that down yet. We've got some evidence that swearing brings about state disinhibition. Like, for example, we have a task, like an online task of pumping up a balloon. And people will risk more pumps of the balloon after swearing. You know, it might burst at any minute. So people, okay. th there's evidence that people are kind of more disinhibited after swearing. So maybe you just go for it a bit more. And that mm. could apply to a huge range of things. But it's early days with that research at the moment. 
does that tie into maybe our societal view of swearing? And is that maybe part of the explanation there is that we see swearing as a bit of a taboo. So then when we are swearing, we feel a little bit less restrained because we're already doing something that, you know, maybe is outside of social norms. Yeah, I mean, quite possibly that's true. I mean, there's there's this interesting tension in swearing that it has to cause offence for it to be this kind of weird, different thing. Mm. But yeah, we have become much more, as you said in your stats at the beginning, people seem to be swearing more frequently or the swear words are becoming less offensive. But if we lose that tension, then presumably they would stop having their effect altogether. Within society, there's sort of, you know, I know when I was growing up, I was obviously told not to swear. And then I hit a certain sort of age where I did. And then even around my parents now, you know, they don't mind me swearing so much. I mean, my mum, I would say I tell her not to swear, actually, this, this <laughs> that way around. But, you know, in terms of in a social context, how is swearing really perceived? You know, what do we know about the way we react to people swearing? And is that maybe different to what we maybe would say we think about people swearing? This is the thing I was just trying to get at a moment ago. Whenever you put a swear word out there, you're taking a bit of a risk because you're never quite sure how it's going to land. You're never quite sure how it's going to be taken, who's there. And it's that it's that aspect that gives it its kind of difference. Mm. So we judge the risk and we take our chances. And sometimes it goes well, sometimes it doesn't. Is swearing linked to, to honesty? I looked at that and is that sort of another maybe potential positive of it that it maybe shows you to be kind of you're being unguarded when you swear and what do we know about that link yeah so theoretically people have said theoretically there may be a link between swearing and honesty because if someone is swearing they're speaking in an unguarded way they're not trying to you know trying to create any impression or or, perhaps they are but the idea is they're speaking in an unfiltered way Mm. which is consistent with honesty and there was a study that looked at that among other things they looked at people's social media posts. Hmm. They used some kind of clever language analysis to kind of score how likely it was each one was true. And I've got the exact details of that, but, you know, use of certain types of language is hmm. more linked with, with, with true statements than false statements. Anyway, they did this analysis to work out how honest they thought people were being. And then they did a swear word count. And lo and behold, positive correlation, more swear words, more ratings of honesty which at some level supports this idea that swearing can be linked with honesty. So there you go. In terms of other context, what do we know about how colleagues swear when they're around each other? And what does that does that show us? I know there was a study of workers in New Zealand, if you could explain that a little bit. Yeah, so there's some idea around the idea that swearing can be like a social bonding tool. It's almost like a we're the in-group, we swear with each other, we, you know, I know you so well that I know you won't be offended mm. if I swear. And there was a there was a, a kind of a study where a researcher kind of hung out with the workers in a soap factory in New Zealand, kind of was on the shop mm. floor, keeping tabs on what was happening. And they noticed that within small tight-knit teams who knew each other very well. Swearing was very prevalent, but when these individuals spoke to members of other teams, even at the same level, they noticed the swearing frequency went right down. And I use this as an example almost of swearing as a form of politeness, because in your group, if you weren't swearing, they'd be like, oh, 
what's wrong with Bob? Mm. You know, clearly something's up with him. It's like it's like it's part of the the group norm, so part of mm. the etiquette. Do you think swearing is actually a lot more deliberate than we maybe give it credit for? It's sort of something that we do maybe subconsciously, but there is actually a lot more kind of, as you say, things at play where you're thinking, maybe I should swear here. Well, listen, I think we swear for lots of different reasons and and probably sometimes we're aware of it and sometimes we're not. But I firmly believe that swearing is one tool in the language toolbox and we use it to the best of our ability to achieve the goals we want to achieve Mm. with our communication, whether to make someone laugh, whether to show someone we're really serious, show Mm. we're angry, show we're laughing, bond with somebody. You know, there is there is an idea out there that swearing is a sign of low IQ and inarticulateness. Mm. There's a lovely study that questions that. It was done by a chap called Timothy Jay over in the States. Uh, let me tell you. So in general uh, psychology research, there's a there's a task. It's kind of a task of intelligence, actually, uh, based on your vocabulary. Mm. It's how many how many words can you think of in one minute beginning with a certain letter of the alphabet? And the highest score, a high number of words, correlates with intelligence. Well, Timothy J, you know, I wish I'd thought of this. Absolutely hats <laughs> off to him. He thought of the swearing version of that task. How many different swear words can you think of in one minute? And he ran that task and he looked yeah. at the correlation between scores on the swearing task and general language vocabulary. And guess what? Positive correlation. People who know more words generally can think of more swear words in a minute. So that, to some level, questions the idea that swearing is a sign of low IQ and inarticulateness. Swearing is this aspect of language, this really wonderful linguistic tool that we mm. can use when we need to. Do you think people see swear words maybe in too much of a simplistic way in that they think that it's kind of, it has a single use definition? You know, when we try to define a swear word, like, you know, shit, for example, you try and define that and it means a thing but actually that's quite reductive i think and do you think that's maybe a sign of why perhaps articulate people do use them because one word can convey so many different types of emotion yeah i think i think most people i speak to you know seem to hold the view that that swearing is is more than this very simplistic you know what you might what you might say dirty language or something people Mm. appreciate enjoy yeah, you know, there's a quite you can enjoy a well placed swear word, can't you? Either if you do it or if someone else do it, you can sort of go, "That was that was skillful. I like that. Yeah, I like that." <laughs> so, so uh, I, I think I, I think most people kind of appreciate the more nuanced yeah. side of swearing. That it's you know, and, and it's it carries qualitative information. So not just it doesn't just mean literally what it means. It, it, it can mean all manner of things depending on the yeah. context. In terms of your other research, you look at sort of bad behaviour being something that people quite like to do. Do you think that's something to do with swearing, that just occasionally doing something that maybe seems bad or taboo feels quite good? Is that just a, a major reason for doing it? Um, yeah, I'm no, I'm no proponent of people being evil or antisocial no. or you know, anything <laughs> like that. But there is, this, there is this thing, isn't there? You know, if, if everyone was completely polite, what would happen? You'd say, you'd meet someone, hello, how are you? Oh, I'm okay, thanks, how are you? Yeah, I'm okay. No, at some point, someone's got to make a move. Someone's got to transgress or something. And yeah. these l- little transgressions can be, you know, they're kind of what life's made of, really. Just, oh, that was mm. risky. How's that going to go down? You know, that's kind of how life is. That's when life starts to get interesting. 
There was a study, I was, I'm not sure if I'm going to call the details now, where a psychology tutor, I think it was in the States, encouraged members of the class to commit minor transgressions to see okay. what would happen. While there were, there were a range of things that they chose to do, but some of the positive ones were things like a guy singing at the top of his voice while driving down the road with his windows down and onlookers started joining in and cheering. Someone got on a bus, a completely empty bus apart from one person, and sat right next to that person, which is obviously (laughs) slightly odd. What happened? They had this great conversation for 40 minutes on their journey. So it's, it's all about judgment. Quite a lot of social norms are not helpful. Yeah. And so... A little bit of healthy transgression, well judged, not to harm anyone, shake things up a little bit. It's what life's all about. Absolutely. Is, is it that kind of standing out sometimes works? I find something that I've done in the past, for example, in job interviews, is I quite like to drop a swear word in there because I feel like I know other people will perhaps not. And I think that might make them remember me a bit because I'll seem a bit more matey with them. Is that another aspect of it is that, you know, for things to be interesting in life, you need to be able to stick your head above the the parapet a little bit and stand out from people. Is that something that this helps us do? Yeah, I think I think I think definitely so. It's a risk, though, isn't it? Did you get the job? Yeah, I did. Before I came to this job, actually, I I swore in the interview and it just sort of I don't know. It felt like a little bit of a, a bond. I like it whenever I've interviewed people as well. If they swear with me, I sort of instantly I don't know. It makes me relax. I sink into my seat a bit and go, "Okay, we can talk. We can talk yeah. honestly here." And it makes them—they stick out a little bit to me because the conversation feels a little bit more like, "Okay, they would—they were properly talking to me there." Yeah, I mean, it has to be extremely well judged though, because I think mm. I think it could. I, I I wouldn't think it would be good advice to listeners no. to swear <laughs> in their next interview. <laughs> I wouldn't be it. I wouldn't be that. But I think if you do it well, if you, mm. if you can. You know, it's, it's a skill. I think it's a skill to to drop a well thought out transgression of a swear word. So yeah, well, you know, good on you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, mate. To end, what's your favourite swear word then? I don't really. Ha- I don't have it. You know, I, I I swear like anyone else. I use the usual limited range of words, and you know, it, it helps. It's useful. Um, but yeah, I don't have a swear. What do I say? I probably say fuck the most. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think fuck is a is a good universal one. I quite like. Uh, I'd say shit is probably mine, just because I think it has the most different sort of. There's the most tones I can use it in because it's got a good vowel in the middle. You can kind of stretch that out quite well, I think, to mean different things. Fuck's a good one. I tell you what. I, I tell you what. This show that our daughter made us watch Friday night dinners. Yeah. And the dad says shitting hell a lot. <laughs> I started saying that actually. Uh, obviously, it's not really grammatically correct, is it? But well, no. it, I, guess, I guess it's all language evolves. But anyway, I think yeah, uh, shitting hell works works quite nicely. Yeah, I'm going to start dropping that one in. Actually, I think when it's sort of yeah, when it feels a little bit kind of obtuse, it doesn't quite work, but somehow that makes it really work. I think that's one of my favourite types of swearing. I came across a guy uh, at a conference who was researching compound swear words which was where you you know insert a swear word in the middle of another phrase okay. like uh, absolutely and uh, i mean i can't remember the exact details of, of what he was researching and why but it does crop up in lots of strange ways richard thank you so much for your time today really appreciate it cheers jacob it's been fucking awesome <laughs> Listeners, if you enjoyed this podcast, you can also back us on Patreon. There's a link in the show notes or just search Bunker Patreon Podcast. This is Jacob Jarvis signing out of the bunker. 
Ivanka Daly was written and presented by Jacob Jarvis. The producers were Yelena Sofronievich, Jacob Archbold and Alex Rees, with assistant production by Kasia Tomashevich. The lead producer was Jacob Jarvis, and the audio producer was me, Jay Bailey. Group editor Andrew Harrison, theme tune by Kenny Dickinson. The Bunker is a Podmasters production.